Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and today we're going to continue looking at our series called The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender. And thank you so much for all of your responses to this series. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have something you want to communicate to me, reach out to me and I'll read what you write. But the series is called The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender. We all know people that have tragically morally surrendered to things they once did not believe. What do we do? Well, the subtitle says God's promise to people who help wandering saints get back on track. This is such an important series, and we're going to continue it today. But you can order yours by going online or by giving us a call, and it comes with a great study guide. And because of what I'm teaching this week, I decided to offer you my book, Last Day's Survival Guide. The foreword is by Perry Stone. The subtitle says, A Scriptural Handbook to Prepare You for these perilous times. And on the cover, there's a Bible in boots. Why? Because we've got to grab hold of our Bible and determine we're going to stomp through this age in the power of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Holy Spirit prophesied what would take place in society in the end of the age. And my friends, it is happening just like the Holy Spirit prophesied. But prophecies are never given to scare us. They're given to prepare us. God wanted us who would be living in the last days to know what's coming so we could undergird ourselves, survive it, and thrive in it. And that's why I wrote this book. And I want you to order yours by going online or by giving us a call right now. And yesterday, I mentioned that I have many series based on Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, Christ's messages to the seven churches in Asia. Yesterday, I spoke on Christ's message to Pergamum. Today, I'm going to refer to Christ's message to Thyatira. But look at this. These are just the study guides. You can order the whole series, all 60 teachings, or you can order them one by one. There's Christ's message to Ephesus, his message to Smyrna, his message to Pergamum, his message to Thyatira, his message to Sardis, his message to Philadelphia, his message to Laodicea. Look at all of this material. My friends, it is a feast for anyone that is hungry to know truth. But you can order all of that also by going online or by giving us a call. And please remember that if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Just reach out to us by calling us or by going online. We believe Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. With you, we'll cry out in faith and God will hear us. That's his promise. And he promises he'll show us great and mighty things, which means when we get into prayerful agreement, God moves. And if you'll let us know how to pray for you, God will move in your life. But I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bible, and I want you to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. And today we're going to see the tragic mistake of moral surrender for societies acceptance. And my friends, that's what we're dealing with in our time today. We saw in yesterday's program that if you don't agree with society, society will do its best to cancel you. They even call it the new cancel 
culture. While they're calling for us to be tolerant and inclusive, the fact is, those who don't like what we believe, they are not very tolerant of us, and they certainly are not inclusive of us. They want to cancel us. But regardless of what the world does around us, we're called to stay on track and to be uncompromising in what we believe about what the Bible teaches. But open your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. And today we're going to talk about Christ's message to the church in Thyatira. And Thyatira was a church in compromise. They had morally surrendered. And there was one Christian leader in the church promoting this moral compromise. Her name was Jezebel. But to understand the whole situation in Thyatira, you have to know something about Thyatira. Thyatira was established east of the city of Pergamum. Pergamum was a treasure city filled with gold and statues and art. What a marvelous city. And they wanted it to be protected. So east of Pergamum, they established another city called Thyatira, which was on the front. And it was a military base intended to stop people from the east attacking the city of Pergamum. And in fact, it was a huge military base. And because it was such a huge military base, there were all kinds of industries that had developed in the city of Pergamum. It had a thriving commercial center, which catered to sustaining the needs of the military that was based there. It had clothing businesses. It had animal caretakers, eating establishments, and other defense-related industries there were all a strong presence in that city. And with all of this commerce in the city of Thyatira, the city became known for its many famous trade guilds. Trade guilds, which today we would call workers' unions. And in fact, it seems that Thyatira had the most sophisticated system of trade guilds anywhere in the entire Roman Empire. And they were like the trade unions of today. And if a person was, listen, this is very important to this teaching. If a person was a member of a trade guild or a union, he was virtually guaranteed a job. But if he was not a member of a trade guild or a union, he couldn't even get a job. This dominating influence in Thyatira became a challenge for Christians. You say, why? Because the trade guilds and the unions were filled with pagan, dark, occultic practices. For example, at the opening of each trade guild meeting or union meeting, members were required to get on their knees and worship the patron god of that particular guild or union. Not only that, there were drunken orgies, there were debaucheries of all kinds that were integral functions of a trade guild or a union, and every member was expected to participate. And Christians in Thyatira were faced with a very, very difficult decision. Remain in the trade guilds in order to keep their jobs and to earn a living, or honor God and Christ with their lives by opting out of the trade guilds because they simply could not do what the trade guilds were going to morally require them to do. For them to remain a member of the trade guilds, they would have to make the tragic mistake of moral surrender. Wow. Those who didn't participate in these activities either had their memberships revoked or they were blacklisted 
from getting a job in any other trade guild in any other part of the city. They were just blacklisted or they were canceled. They were canceled. Wow. And when you come to Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, we begin with Jesus' words. And it says, These things saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. A flame of fire in Greek describes a flaming fire or a brightly burning fire with flames that are swirling, whirling, bending, twisting, turning, arching upward. But you need to understand that in fire, in Scripture, fire was used either to purify or to destroy. And this is very, very important. The fact that Jesus was coming to this church with fire in his eyes indicates, first of all, he's coming to purify. Jesus always comes to purify us of all of our imperfections. But if they refuse to cooperate with the purification process, the same fire would bring judgment to the church. But it goes on to say, his feet were likened to fine brass. Well, when you read this in Greek, it is just perplexing because it is a Greek word, kalkolimbano. That is just so strange because of what this word means. The word kalkos is the word for brass or for bronze. The word libanos is the word for frankincense. How in the world do these two words go together? The word kalkos, bronze, or brass, and libanos, the word for frankincense. And in this particular word, we find that bronze or brass and frankincense are used as alloys. But we know that in the natural world, these things could never be alloys. But yet Jesus' feet are like in defined brass, a mixture of brass, bronze, and frankincense. What in the world does that mean? Well, first of all, brass or bronze in Scripture always represents judgment. Judgment. So the first thing this tells us is Jesus is coming with feet of judgment. But the word libanos is the word for frankincense, the very kind of frankincense which was used in the temple, and it represented high priestly intercessory prayer. High priestly intercessory prayer, libanos. So on one hand, Jesus' feet had calcos, bronze, brass, judgment. On the other hand, his feet were drenched, drenched in libanos, which was frankincense, or his feet were drenched in high priestly intercessory prayer. That is amazing. And here's what it means. While Christ's feet were prepared to move toward judgment if required, they were also drenched in intercessory prayer that repentance would occur before he got there so judgment would never need to take place. His eyes were deeply examining the situation He was coming with eyes of fire to purify what was going on inside the church. But the same fire that could purify could also bring judgment. And now we find that his feet were prepared to come in judgment, but he was not in a rush to judgment. His feet were drenched in intercessory prayer that before he ever got there to apply the judgment, they would hear his message and they would self-correct so judgment would not be needed. Say amen. You know, sometimes Christians are in a rush to judge, but even Jesus is not in a rush to judge. In fact, the Bible says his feet were made of brass. And every time I teach on this, 
I bring something to illustrate the point. This is a statue that I keep on the table in our TV room, and I'm going to tell you, it is very, very heavy to pick up because it's made of brass. It is solid brass. It is a picture of a big Russian bear. And the reason that I have it on my table is because many believe that the Russian bear is the symbol of Russia. I love Russia. It's where we live. It's where we're called to minister. We have an entire satellite network which broadcasts to Russian-speaking people all over the world. So I keep this on our coffee table in our TV room. And often when Denise and I are sitting watching something on television, She'll say, Rick, would you please move that bear so it doesn't obstruct my view? Well, that's quite a request because this is very, very heavy. Bronze is heavy. And every time Denise asks me to move it, I always think, you don't even understand what you're asking. This is really, really heavy. Well, just imagine what it would be like if you were walking with feet made out of brass. You wouldn't move very fast, would you? In fact, you would lift each foot very slowly, one step at a time. You couldn't run because your feet were too heavy. And here we find that Jesus is not running to judgment. He is not rushing to judgment. But Jesus very deliberately is lifting one foot at a time, very slowly, as he comes to the church of Thyatira that he is commanded to repent. He's giving them space to repent before he gets there. And because his feet are drenched in labanos, frankincense, intercessory, high priest prayerly perfume, it tells us that Jesus is praying that they will respond and self-correct before he ever gets there. And my friends, aren't you glad? that Jesus doesn't rush to judgment for you, but he always gives you space to repent. But let's go on. The Bible tells us next in Revelation chapter 2, verse 19, that in some respects it was a wonderful church. He says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. And when you read this in the Greek text, it says it differently. It says, I know the works of you. I know the charity of you. I know the service of you, the faith of you, the patience of you, and the works of you. Very unique to this church, which means this church was really amazing when it came to walking in love. Jesus says, I know uniquely the love of you. I know uniquely the service of you. They were a serving church. I know the faith of you. I know the patience of you. And Jesus praised the believers there for their charity. He applauded the believers there for their service. He commended the believers there for their faith. He praised the believers there for their patience. All of these were good things. But when you come to verse 20, it says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. The word notwithstanding is the Greek word Allah. It indicates a pause. It can mean nevertheless, regardless, or even in spite of all of these things. And you could paraphrase it to mean this. Let's take a pause and transition to something I need to deal with. In spite of all the amazing things you've done and are doing, I have a few things that are a strike against you that I will forcibly take under control if needed. And notice that Jesus says in verse 20, nevertheless, I have, the words I have, are translation of the word echo, which means to have or to hold. And it means whatever it is, 
that Jesus sees, he feels it very personally. He feels this very personally. He says, I have this. I hold this. I really feel this. And he says, I have a strike against thee. The word against, the Greek word kata, which carries the idea of something down. It is a strike against. And it also carries the idea of resistance, domination, subjugation. It is the equivalent of saying, as I've said, this is a strike against you that is personally disturbing me. And if you don't deal with it correctly, I will take matters under my own hand and I will bring it under control. Wow. What was the strike against the church? Verse 20, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants and to commit fornication and to eat things committed unto idols. The word because is the Greek word hoti. It points expressly to a specific reason. It could be translated like this. I'm going to tell you exactly why I'm upset. That's the Greek word hoti. I'm going to expressly be clear about it. That's the word hoti. I'm going to tell you why I have a strike against you. That's the word hoti. And then he adds because... Thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel. The word sufferest is a form of the Greek word aphiemi, which in this case means to give unrestrained freedom to. No one was controlling this woman. It was the equivalent of Jesus saying, no one has restrained or controlled this woman named Jezebel. She has been given free reign in the church to say and to do whatsoever she pleases. And what is she endorsing? What is she saying? Jesus tells us. First of all, she calls herself a prophetess, the Greek word legacy, which means she's asserting, she's putting herself forth. It doesn't mean she is. It's just what she's saying about herself. She's claiming to be a revelator with insight from God. And in the name of God, she is teaching and seducing my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Well, people who don't like women preachers use this verse to say, what? Here's an example. Jezebel shouldn't have been teaching. The problem was not that she was teaching. Women can teach. Women can preach. The problem was she was seducing or she was abusing the position that had been entrusted to her. And the word seduce gives us insight into what she was teaching. It is the Greek word planeo, which implies a moral wandering. It pictures a person or even a nation that is veered from a solid path they once walked upon. And as a result of veering morally, that person or nation is now adrift. They're adrift. It is the same word that was used to depict an animal that lost its way and could not find its way back home, which means this woman had lowered the bar morally and was teaching that it was all right not to be so strict morally. Well, remember, for you to keep your job in a trade guild, you had to participate in trade guild activities, which included worshiping a false god, drunkenness, orgies, and all kinds of debaucheries. And for Christians to remain members of the trade guild and be accepted by society, they had to participate. If they withdrew, they were going to lose their jobs, lose their income. And so basically what Jezebel is teaching is this. It's okay to lower your standards. You don't have to live such a restrictive, separate lifestyle. Relax and learn to be more inclusive and accommodating 
of other people's practices. You'll blend in and gain more acceptance by people in the world, but by compromising and lowering our standards, we pull the plug on the power of God, and Jezebel was grieving the Spirit of God because she was teaching people to make the tragic mistake of moral surrender for the sake of society's acceptance. And God gave her time to repent. That is amazing. When the Bible says, I gave, it is a past form of the word give, which means I've been giving. Jesus had been trying to deal with her, but she's not responding. And it says, I gave her space. The word space, the Greek word chronos, can describe time. It can describe describe a season or a duration of period. It is the equivalent of saying, I have been giving her time to get this right. I've been giving her space to repent of her fornication. Was she herself committing fornication? The Bible doesn't tell us, but she was certainly telling believers to lower the standard, to lower the bar, to blend in. She was teaching compromise. And the Bible says she repented not. Do you know what the Greek literally says? The Greek literally says, she did not will to repent of her fornication. She knew exactly that Christ was calling upon her to repent, but she did not will to repent. And Jesus says in verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed with them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, which is quite a warning to Christian leaders who teach compromise or accommodation. But then he adds, except they repent of their deeds. The word accept, it's amazing. Jesus says, hey, I'm not done. I'm even going to give her one more chance. The word accept in Greek, the word eon, it shows that the warning being issued is conditional. In other words, the consequences may or may not happen depending on how the hearer responds. Remember, Jesus is not in a rush to judge. His feet are drenched in Libanos, high priestly intercessory prayer. Jesus is praying that people will repent before he ever has to get there to deal with them. And he gives us space to repent. But what we find in these amazing verses is that Christ has no room for people who accommodate, for people who are just inclusive of everything wrong, just so they can find societies acceptance. My friends, we need to remain uncompromising to the truth and God will take care of us. I'll be back in just a moment and I'm going to pray for you. We live in a day when many people are modifying their beliefs and tossing their faith to the wind to accommodate their family and friends. Even though these believers once stood firm on the Word of God, they are surrendering to the woke atmosphere in society today to stay in relationship with loved ones who have changed what they believe. What should you do if your spouse, children, or friends have changed their beliefs and you now feel distance between yourself and them? In this five-part series, The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender, Rick Renner covers The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender, Moral Surrender for Opportunity, Moral Surrender and Embracing Inclusivity and Tolerance, Moral Surrender for Society's Acceptance, God's Promise to People Who Help Wandering Saints Get Back on Track. 
This powerful series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book, Last Day's Survival Guide, a scriptural handbook to prepare you for these perilous times for $25. In this practical 478-page book, Rick Renner unlocks prophecy about the last days and shows you what you need to do to sail through these turbulent times victoriously. We believe you need this book. Don't miss this powerful offer. The five-part series, The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender, and the book, Last Day's Survival Guide. These materials can make a big difference in your life or in the lives of those you love. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings, no, no, no. It's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. Pastor Rick's heart is just to get the message of the gospel out there. And because he is absolutely a man after God's own heart, when God says, do this, he says, yes. I know that we're gonna have substantial growth just because that is Pastor Rick's vision. Pastor Rick's heart is for people, and that's why he always says, call in for prayer, because he's sincere and he means it, and we do too. We're all very honored and humbled. It's just been a wonderful thing to see the growth that has happened because we know the growth comes with people's lives being changed. And that's what our heart is about. Um, these are the end times that we're living in. And there are a lot of new believers. There are many people. Wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that, um, coming, to, coming to know Jesus for the first time. And um, I'm so thankful that we have the tools and the resources available, ready for them when they need it. We're just privileged to get to lend our gifts and our touches to written communication from this ministry. My friend, today we have covered so much material. In fact, the whole week, we have really covered a lot of material about the tragic mistake of moral surrender. And I know this has touched many of you. But the subtitle says, God's promise to people, I'm talking about you, 
who help wandering saints get back on track. If you know anyone that has wandered, there's something you can do to get them back on track. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. But order your entire series with the study guide by going online. And remember that right now we're offering you my book called Last Day's Survival Guide. But Father, we thank you that we would make it our goal to accommodate you and your word more than society around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power, and I'll see you tomorrow. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 